Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, December 10th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a visit to a COVID-19 vaccine booster clinic in Jackson. Then 40 sick sea turtles arrive in the state for medical care. And the two Mississippi museums mark their fourth anniversary. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Health officials say it's time for some Americans already vaccinated against COVID-19 to get their booster dose of the shot. We're joined now by MPB reporter Kobe Vance, who visited a pop-up booster clinic on the campus of Jackson State University. Morning, Kobe. Good morning. So set the scene for us. What did this clinic look like? How many people were there? Well, this clinic was pretty small. It was based just out of the campus of Jackson State University. And there were a constant trickle of people coming in, but there was no big line. Um, I would say probably at max time, there were maybe 10 people there all getting their coronavirus booster doses. They actually ended up running out of the Pfizer vaccine uh, just by the time I had come through. According to health leaders in the state, who should be getting a booster dose of their COVID-19 vaccine right now? Everybody over the age of 18 and actually just recently, just yesterday, the FDA approved booster doses for people 16 and 17 years old. Booster doses are encouraged for everyone who qualifies. They are just an extra layer of protection for people who want to continue going about their lives and staying safe. Most people you met at the JSU clinic told you their reasons for wanting a booster are pretty simple. Let's listen into your conversation with Cedric Buckley, who works in Jackson. First of all, I was looking more so looking out for elderly people and family and being more protective of uh, myself and others. And I spoke with a doctor that really advised getting the booster. 
earlier you were talking about how you want to get your son to also get the booster dose. Can you talk about, you know, why you think it's important for him to also get the booster and what are the conversations y'all are having? Getting the booster is just a preventative from, you know, it may not stop it, but it could hinder, uh, slow, slow, slow things down. So I advise anyone to, to take it. If a doctor advised me, I'm going to listen. How do you think you're going to be feeling uh, coming the holiday season now that you have gotten the booster as well as your son will eventually? How feeling? Yeah. Uh, I'm probably passed out. <laughs> I'm already in pain. My arm's killing me now. <laughs> um, but do you think that you know, you're going to be more comfortable to hang around people that are older and more at risk? Yeah, yeah, I would. I, then I won't have to wear my mask so much. That's Cedric Buckley, who works in Jackson. We're speaking with MPB reporter Kobe Vance about COVID vaccine boosters. One reason health officials say boosters are so important is because of a new strain of coronavirus that's already here in the U.S. Kobe, what can you tell us about the Omicron variant? Not much is yet known about the Omicron variant. Currently, it's not known yet if it's more transmissible or if it's more deadly. But what they do know is that it is in Mississippi and it is going to create transmission. Currently, though, in Mississippi, the most predominant variant is the Delta variant, and we continue to see a lot of transmission in that, and we are starting to see hospitalizations go up. And so regardless of what this Omicron variant is, doctors say that it is important that Mississippians get vaccinated to try to prevent this from getting worse. Kobe, you spoke with Shanice White of Byram right after she got her booster. She told you Omicron is a big part of the reason why she chose to get the extra shot. Let's listen in. We have the new variants coming out, and I have um, a compromised immune system as well as uh, a couple of people in my family. So I just felt it was time to go ahead and and get one. You have a better state of mind now that you feel like you're more protected or possibly? I do. Yes, I do. Uh, I feel more protected, um, especially around the holiday time. I plan on traveling, so I feel more protected. And, you know, I'm going to see family members that I haven't seen in a while, and I know that they're older, and so I just want them to be uh, safe as well. What does it mean to be able to get to see those family members again, you know, after we, after everything we've gone through for the past two years now? It feels great. It feels great. Uh, family is everything to me, and I know that um, I may not have much time with some of those family members that I'll get to see. So it's definitely um, a great feeling to be able to see those family members again. Less than half of Mississippians have gotten fully vaccinated at all. You know, what are your thoughts being able to know that you, you have gotten the booster dose in a state that has a low vaccination rate like Mississippi? Um, well, I just know I had to keep myself protected. You know, I always wear my mask. You know, I had to live life as well, and that's my thing. You know, you still have to live life, but just, you know, be safe. Wear your mask, get vaccinated, and um, try not to be around a, a large group of people if, you know, if you have a fear of contracting the virus. And then what are your thoughts right now as you hear more about these variants that are coming and now, especially as a the first instance of Omicron has been diagnosed in Mississippi? It's a, it's a little scary. It's a little scary. But again, you know, I think, you know, staying safe by um, getting vaccinated, wearing your mask, um, washing your hands, you know, all those things that we've been told from the very beginning since this pandemic has first started. Um, if you practice those things, then, you know, you'll be you'll be safe. You'll be OK. We'll be OK. That's Shanice Wright of Byram speaking with MPB reporter Kobe Vance. Thanks so much, Kobe, for joining us to talk COVID vaccine boosters. And before we let you go, I understand that you got your booster this week. How did that go? It went well. The the shot itself was painless, and it only took me a few minutes to get in and get out, less than 30 minutes overall. 
would have been faster if I hadn't had to get the interviews for our other coverage. <laughs> I will say it did uh, take a pretty big day of recovery for me. Um, I did run a little bit of a fever, but other than that, now I'm feeling great. And I would encourage all Mississippians to go out and get their booster dose. And don't let that one day of sickness hold you back. According to doctors, that could prevent a much more severe illness down the line. Kobe Vance covers COVID-19 for MPB News. Kobe, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Coming up, dozens of sea turtles arrive in the state for medical care. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Late last week, 40 sea turtles arrived in Mississippi via airplane. They were weak and lethargic. Without medical attention, they'd likely die. That's where Alexa DeLon comes in. Alexa is the vice president of veterinary services at Mississippi Aquarium. She speaks with MPB's Rob Lane. Sea turtles are reptiles, obviously. And this species of sea turtle is a Kim Ridley sea turtle. Kim Ridleys are the most endangered sea turtle. And they're found here in Mississippi waters in the Gulf, but they travel up to the northeast and they forage and swim around off the coast there. And then, as any reptile does, when the water, when the air temperature drops, um, and in their case, the water temperature drops since they're in the water, their uh, metabolism slows way down. And it can be um, pretty quick that the water drops, and so they call it a cold stunning event. So the turtles may be swimming around fine, and then the water tends to drop, and they basically shut down. So they aren't able to eat and process their food very well, so they might have um, gastrointestinal problems. And then they're more susceptible to secondary infections. And one of the biggest problems they get is um, pneumonia, like a, you know lung infections. And um, so then they'll strand there. They'll find them um, on the beaches or sometimes out in the water, and they'll just be really, really cold. And so the first line is the rehab centers up in the northeast. And in this case, these turtles came from New England Aquarium. So they've been dealing with this problem for many, many years, and they take the turtles in, and you can't you can't warm them up really quickly. You have to gradually do it. They triage them, give them treatments to stabilize them. And then um, we are only in our second year of being open down here at the Mississippi Aquarium. But last year was a very, very big year for them, and they got hundreds and hundreds of turtles. Basically, just they reached capacity, and <laughs> in order to take in more turtles, they needed to ship some out to other facilities to continue their rehabilitation. So we were very fortunate in our very first year of being opening to take in 25 of the turtles last year. And then um, now that they know we're (laughs) ready and willing to accept turtles, this year we took in 40. So we hope every year to be able to increase our ability to help our colleagues and also help the turtles because it's really important to us. For a radio audience, can you kind of describe what a Kemp's Ridley sea turtle looks like? So a Kemp's Ridley sea turtle is pretty small species. It only, well, I'll say this and you'll think it's kind of big, but it reaches about 100 pounds, which is smaller than other sea turtle species. And let's see, the, the little ones we have are absolutely adorable. <laughs> They're like... Um, the size of maybe like a dessert plate, I would say. And they have little spikes on their top shell, which is called a carapace. 
and they look like a combination of little dinosaurs and maybe like a little old man in the face. (laughs) Sea turtles are a turtle species that can't bring their head into their shell, so their head is always out, and then they have long flippers on the front to help them swim through the water. I imagine these things, if if they are, as you say, about 100 pounds, pretty challenging to transport. And I know there's a nonprofit that helps out with the transport of these things. And I'm going to ask you about it partially just because I think it's a it has a really fabulous name. Mm-hmm. Turtles fly too. Is that correct? That's correct. And I should say the description I gave you was uh, the adult size is about 100 pounds. These are like a pound to two pounds. The ones that we have in our care right now, they're babies. They're tiny. Oh, okay. You could, so that, that could be like a checked bag. Pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the little ones are really tiny and actually they fit, you know, what a, a box of bananas comes into the grocery store. They actually transport them in the banana boxes with some heating devices. <laughs> so they can fit like two turtles if they're small enough into a banana box. Okay, and these are private planes? Yeah, the um, Turtles Fly 2 is the company that um, brought the turtles down to us. They're very generous. They are always volunteers, and it's their, usually the pilot's private plane. And they fly up to New England and get the turtles loaded on their plane, and you stack the boxes up in the plane. In this case, this plane was chock full of turtles, and then... They arrived here in Gulfport last Friday, and we unloaded them into our aquarium van to take to our hospital. And what's the success rate? You said this year you have about 40 turtles. How many of those do you anticipate will end up getting healthy and getting released? We can never predict completely how many turtles will get released, but I would suspect we'll probably be able to release at least 30, but probably more like 35. And as of right now, I mean, we've only had them a few days and, you know, their statuses can change pretty quickly, but they seem relatively stable and they're pretty active in their little pools. They're holding pools, so they're swimming around quite a bit. So I would say hopefully between 30 and 35, but 40 would be great. (laughs) Sure. So you and your team spend about half a year with each crop of turtles. Do you get kind of close with them? Do you give them names? Or is it all sort of a little bit more clinical and medical and hands-off? You know, it's. Um, I would say it probably leans more clinical, but we do really like turtles, obviously. They, they, um, so our job is to take care of all the animals here at Mississippi Aquarium. And then rehabilitating sea turtles is kind of, I guess, a side project, but it aligns directly with our mission of conservation. And then when we do the sea turtle releases, it aligns with our community pillar because we're able to get people out to be able to see the sea turtles and wish them well on their way out to the Gulf. But on a day-to-day basis, we treat them like any other patient, making sure each one has its specific treatment that we've prescribed. I would say that some of the people that volunteer with us get attached, like they'll, they'll have a favorite turtle. And we don't necessarily name them because that would be a lot of names to keep track of. But um, it, I could see it being a potential that if we have more long-term residents, for example, we have two turtles that came to us from New England Aquarium in October. And they're, 
they're um, undergoing more intensive treatment, and they were trying to get them out before they got hit with the cold stun turtles. So those turtles have names. So I think it's reasonable to assume we might start giving them names if, if they have to stick around <laughs> for a longer time. And, um, you know, some people get pretty close to them, but we're always happy to see them come, but we're even happier to see them go back out into the Gulf. Alexa DeLon is Vice President of Veterinary Services at Mississippi Aquarium. Coming up, the two Mississippi museums mark their fourth anniversary. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. The two Mississippi museums turn four years old today. The Museum of Mississippi History and the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum share a massive building in downtown Jackson. Then-President Trump attended the facility's ribbon-cutting in December of 2017. Administrator Cindy Gardner tells MPB's Desiree Fraser the two museums are as popular now as ever, even after an uncertain couple of years. When COVID hit, we shut down for about six weeks. Um, after we reopened, you know, numbers were just super low, obviously. Um, between 2019 and 2020, um, we had about an 80,000 drop in visitor visitation. So, um, you know, that was a little different for us to deal with. Sure, and to be expected given the circumstances. Absolutely. Have the two museums become a travel destination? Oh, absolutely. Um, It's rare that we don't have visitors from almost all 50 states each month, as well as several different foreign countries. Um, We've noticed here recently the visitation from the foreign countries are picking back up. Um, The big tour groups that they go on and different things are coming back, so we're excited about that. What kind of response are you getting, comments from them when they come? I think everybody's still just surprised that Mississippi has told such an honest story about our past. I mean, it's such a hard past to study and learn, and a lot of hardships happened here, but also all the good that's happened in Mississippi. And they're surprised that we could overcome so many terrible things in the state and move forward to where we are today. And what you said a little bit earlier about the Civil Rights Museum and people um, being surprised at the authenticity of the exhibits, in light of what we're seeing in this country in race relations, are you getting a sense that there's an appreciation for what people of color have gone through and the perspective of people of color on history in the state? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, I think since civil rights is such a recent story, sometimes your parents or, you know, uh, grandparents for some of the younger kids might remember what happened and they talk about it a little bit at home, but they don't truly understand and appreciate the true impact of the movement until they 
come to the museums. Do you find that there are things, regardless of color of the visitors, that strikes them? What would you say stands out that you get comments about? I don't know if it matters if the the color of the visitor's skin at all, but they, um, just the horrificness of the number of lynchings that Mississippi had in the past and some of the harrowing stories. I mean, it's very hard to hear the story of Emmett Till or Medgar Evers and not have it affect you. Moving forward, what would you like to see at the two museums? I would love to see a wide variety of Mississippians coming into the museums and feeling like it is just part of their home, part of their community where they can come and meet up with friends and walk around, do a little shopping in our store, eat at the cafe, and just enjoy the day. Do you happen and learn a little bit while you're at it? Right, right. Enlightenment education. Do you ever have classes? We do have some classes. We um, do a lot of field trips, obviously, and with some of those, we will be doing some extra little activities. One thing that we started doing because of COVID, when the field trips were not able to come into the museum, was doing uh, virtual field trips. So we will highlight a specific topic that's offered in the museum and focus on that and meet with either a classroom or sometimes different businesses or organizations and, you know, spend an hour with them interacting over the Internet. Anything that I didn't ask you that's important to mention? You know, I think um, the Museum of Mississippi History is – a phenomenal museum. We tell 15,000 years of history. It's a lot to take in. A little bit more square footage to tell the history for 15,000 years. The civil rights tells of 40 40 years. So it's a much broader story. But um, I think if you come in, go to the Museum of Mississippi History, get that overall impression of Mississippi and get that, you know, general, very, very general knowledge, and then you step foot in that Civil Rights Museum, you come out realizing what a phenomenal state we are. Cindy Gardner, Museum Division Director at Two Museums, thank you so much for your time in speaking with us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, and if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter, and fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.